wrote that we have diverse gifts, different ministry, diverse activities, but the same Spirit gives to each one for the profit of all. And no gift is self-sufficient. None is unnecessary. Imagine what the church would look like if we each served Jesus with the spiritual giftings that we have been given. You're looking too far for that need you have inside. You're on a big merry-go-round and it's taking you for a ride. You've got to let go and let go. Welcome to The Cleansing Word. We invite you to stay with us as Pastor John Pinnell of Calvary Chapel Lake Villa takes us through a verse-by-verse study from God's Word. Each Monday through Friday, we'll be airing messages to encourage you in your faith that you might grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I hope that you enjoy this broadcast, and I'll return at the close of this teaching to give you more information about our church and how you can obtain a copy of this message. Now here's Pastor John with today's message from God's Word. And we're going to begin today in 1 Corinthians 12, verses 1 through 13. I titled this message, Spiritual Gifts, because, well, it fits with the passage that we're going to be looking at today. And I have three points in our message. We're going to see in verses 1 and 3 concerning spiritual gifts, verses 4 through 11, diversity of gifts, and 12 and 13, many members, one body. Father, we thank you for your word, and we pray, Lord, that we would learn from it today how important it was for the first century church. Ten days, Lord, after Jesus ascended into heaven as they tarried in Jerusalem as instructed by you, Lord, that the Holy Spirit came out upon the church. And and Lord, they went forth and they declared the gospel of Jesus Christ and they turned their world right side up, a world that was upside down. And Lord, we live in a world that in many ways is upside down right now. There's a lot of pain, a lot of hurts a lot of fears, a lot of worry, a lot of strife. And Lord, we need you to come again through the power of your Spirit to speak life into your church, that we would go forth, that your world would be turned right, that people could come to faith in Jesus Christ. But it begins with the church, Lord. And I believe it begins with us as the church, understanding the giftings of the Spirit that you have given to each of us. So help us, Lord, to listen with open ears. Be attentive to that which you would have for us this day, we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. There's also the gift of faith. Do you realize faith is mentioned 245 times in the Bible? And of those 245 times it's mentioned in the Bible, translated as faith in our Bible, 243 are found in the New Testament. The Greek word is pistis, and it speaks about a conviction of truth, a belief or a firm persuasion of God and his word. 
And in the Bible, we read of people who had little faith, those who had great faith, those being full of faith or people having no faith. The Bible teaches that we are to stand in faith, that we are to walk by faith, that we are justified by faith, that we are to have a righteousness of faith. Here we learn that faith itself is a gift of the Holy Spirit. The Bible tells us in Ephesians 2, 8, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourself, it is a gift of God. That specifically referring to salvation being a gift of God, but it's through faith. Faith itself being a gift of God. There's also gift of healings. And this can mean to heal someone or to have the power to cure someone and the power to heal. So we could think of someone who is able to heal as a doctor, to have the right uh, medicines, combination of treatment of food and health and sleep and rest to bring healing to someone's body. And then we know, according to the word of God, that there is this ability of God to heal individuals of their sickness, their illnesses. God gave this ability to the 12 in Luke 9 verses 1 and 2. He called his 12 together and he gave them power and authority over all the demons to cure diseases. He sent them out to preach the kingdom of God and to heal. Even if we are without the gift of healing, the Bible tells us we can pray for healing to take place. In James chapter 5 verses 14 and 15, is anyone sick among you? Let him call for the elders. Let him pray over him. Anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick. And the Lord will raise him up. If he has committed sin, he will be forgiven. But James connects faith with healing. And sometimes it is the faith of the sick or the faith of others or even those with little faith or no faith. Healing still comes at the word of Jesus. Then there is the gift of miracles. Dunamis is a Greek word. It speaks about power, might, or strength, especially about miraculous power. Dunamis is more than the gift of healing. We would take Dunamis, this gift of healing, and combine it to some of the gospel uh, testimonies that we read about saying of someone who had a physical deformity, being made whole. Uh, someone who is blind, born blind, receiving his sight as Jesus did. Or the resurrection of the dead. This is deutimus. This is power, miracle working power. Hebrews 2.4 says, God also bearing witness both with signs and wonders, with various miracles, the gift of the Holy Spirit according to his will. We read the example in the New Testament is finding the believers, the apostles going forth, proclaiming the word of God and the Holy Spirit working with them through miracles like Peter and John. When on a day they went to the temple in Acts chapter 3, it tells us, and there was a lame man there at the temple. And as they entered the temple, he asked for alms. And Peter and John looking at him said, Silver and gold we do not have, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And they took him by the hand. Can you envision that? 
it'd be easy to walk by someone to me in my mind easier to say to someone in a wheelchair in the name of Jesus Christ rise up and walk but then reach out your hand to help them to their feet you not only spoke the words but you're putting love in action and immediately the Bible tells us he was strengthened he began to leap to walk he entered the temple walking leaping praising God the people saw it and on that day, nearly 2,000 people were added to the church. See the gifts of the Holy Spirit. It's for the profit of all. They helped one man. That one man they helped, in turn, caused nearly 2,000 people to come to faith. We also find the gift of prophecy. Prophecy, as we know, according to the Word of God, it has two uh, meanings in the Greek. It could be a foretelling, telling of some event that's going to take place before it happens, or a foretelling. You're speaking forth the prophetic word of God, foretelling. That's what I'm doing right now. But I can tell you there have been times in this pulpit where I believe that God gave me a little foretelling knowledge too. And those who prophesied, they are to bring about edification, exhortation, and comfort to the church. Paul will later say in chapter 14, verse 1, now consider this, because I don't know when you think about the gifts of the Spirit, what you think would be the gift I would like to have, but Paul wrote, pursue love, desire spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. Paul put prophecy at the top of his list. Discerning of spirits. This has the sense of judgment in this Greek word, meaning to distinguish or to discern clarity, to discern spirits. In Hebrews 5.14, it tells us that solid food belongs to those who are full age, that is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. And we can gain a gift of discerning of spirits that the Spirit can give us, no doubt. Where we meet someone and we know that something's just off. Something's not right. And maybe it's someone who professes Christ and you, you have an uneasy feeling about this individual. And you can't really understand why. But also that discerning of spirit comes through again the uh, study of the Word of God by reason of use. We have exercised our senses to discern both good and evil. He moves on to the gift of tongues. Having a tongue language or speaking a language, what this actually means from the New Testament perspective, speaking a language that you have not learned. Glossia is the Greek word, and it simply means tongue or language. And like on this day of Pentecost that I mentioned earlier, when the 120 came out of the upper room, Luke goes on to tell about 17 different nations that were found there. And they testified of the 17 nations that were listed. They testified in Acts 2.11, we heard them speaking in our own tongues the wonderful works of God. Now, Everyone here at church knows my wife is from 
Mexico. She has her native tongue is not English, although she sounds like she's from the United States. But when she speaks Spanish, you hear that dialect, you hear the native tongue. And what they were saying in Acts 2 verse 11 was that they're not only just speaking our language, they're speaking our own tongues as if they came from the countries that we have come from. It's a gift of tongue that was prophesied in the Old Testament in Isaiah 28:11. For with stammering lips and another tongue, he will speak to this people. And again, in, in the New Testament, Mark 16, 17, and these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. And the tongue gift was evident among the Gentile believers there in the house of Cornelius, so much so that when Peter saw the tongue gifts being displayed there within the house of Cornelius, he turned to those he had brought with him and he said, what prevents us from baptizing them, seeing that the Holy Spirit has come upon them? When properly used, this gift of tongues magnifies the wonderful works of God. It's considered a prayer language where we can pray to God. And finally, he lists out the last one, the interpretation of tongues. It means simply to interpret, to translate from one language to another. And he picks up on this again in chapter 14, 1 Corinthians, verse 26. He says, How is it then, brethren, whenever you come together, each of you has a psalm, a teaching, has a tongue, has a revelation and interpretation. Let all things be done for edification. If anyone speaks in a tongue, let there be two or three, each in his turn, let one interpret. But if there is no interpreter, let him remain silent in the church and speak to himself and to God. So the interpretation is obviously an important gift when concerning tongues. Paul said, so important when the church gathers together if there's one two or three and he limited it to three if they choose to speak in tongues he said do it one at a time but he said if there's no interpreter speak to yourself speak to god but not to the congregation the gift of interpretation highly valued there so the spirit gives giftings to every believer that they might be used to the profit of all. And then finally, verses 12 and 13. Many members, one body. Although verses 12 through 13 may better fit with the remainder of this chapter, I realize that contextually, and I'll probably back up to these, I wanted to finish off with them as well, because it speaks about the importance of the unity of the body of Christ. In verse 12 we read, For the body is one, it has many members, talking about the human body, the physical body. But all the members of that are one body. Being many, they are one. So also is Christ. Just as our bodies consist of many different components, both the internal, external organs, so too does the church have many members, both the seen and the unseen. Whether talking about the human body, or the spiritual body of the church, each part is to work together for a single purpose. The human body works to supply what is needed 
to sustain life, our own bodies, while the spiritual body of the church brings glory to Christ. And so the human body, sometimes the older we get, the parts of our body begin to fail on us. They don't work as well anymore. We live in a two-story home. Our bedroom's upstairs. It takes a while for my left knee to get going in the morning. And the first thing I do in the morning is walk downstairs. I don't walk straight down the stairs in the morning. I have to walk sideways to get down the stairs because my knee doesn't like it anymore. By the afternoon, I'm good to go. It takes a little bit to get going, but things begin to fail. In our own bodies, we understand that. In the body of Christ, I think we understand that as well. Oftentimes within churches, we have those who are serving and working diligently for the Lord, but they're serving in too many areas. They're doing too many things in the sense of because there is lack of service from others, others are trying to pick up the slack and it makes the, the busy workers work even harder. Can you imagine the body of Christ if we function together, working as one with unity for the glory of Christ, for the glory of God? In Romans 12, verses 4 and 5, Paul said, For we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function. So we, being many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. All the members, we do not have the same function. But as believers, we are all part of the spiritual body of Christ. Individually, we have different gifts that the Lord has given us. We just went through a list of these giftings here in 1 Corinthians 12. Paul wrote that we have diverse gifts, different ministry, diverse activities. But the same Spirit gives to each one for the profit of all. And no gift is self-sufficient, none is unnecessary. Imagine what the church would look like if we each served Jesus with the spiritual giftings that we have been given. And I also believe that these gifts need to be developed, that the Lord can gift us, but it doesn't mean that uh, it's without the need of developing the gifts themselves. Think of a young athlete, someone that you see maybe a boy or a girl, but you can tell that they just have a natural ability for whatever game they might play. But it's through the practicing and the developing of that game, the skills that develop. They have the natural gifting, but they improve upon these giftings until they become that athlete that causes others to fear when they're on the courts or on the field. Galatians 5.13 reminds us that we've been called to liberty. Only do not use liberty as an opportunity of the flesh, but through love serve one another. And the church is at its best when through love we serve one another. In our last passage today, verse 13, For by one Spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greek, whether slaves or free, and we all have been made to drink into one Spirit. As believers in Jesus Christ, we're all baptized into the body of Jesus Christ. We are part of the body of Christ. 
Remember, no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Therefore, to be a believer in Jesus means that the Spirit of God is working in our lives. From the moment we believe, the Spirit is there. Moreover, the Spirit works to make us one in the body of Christ. He gives us giftings, abilities that we might use to serve the Lord. But also, He makes us one in the sense that we're no longer Jew or Greek. Nationalities shouldn't matter. And that we're no longer slave or free. The position that we have in this life shouldn't matter. Because we have all drunk from the same Spirit of God the moment we believed. Jesus speaking about the importance of the Holy Spirit in the believer's life. In John 7, 37-39, on the last day of the great feast, He stood and He cried out and He said, If anyone thirsts, let him come unto Me and drink. And he who believes in Me, as Scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. And then John tells us in verse 39, This He spoke of the Spirit, whom those believing in Him would receive, for the Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. Well, my friends, Jesus has been glorified. He was glorified through His death, burial, and resurrection, His ascension into heaven. The Holy Spirit has been given. It, it took place on the day of Pentecost, and it is continues to work in the life of the church to this day. That gift of the Holy Spirit, if you're thirsty today, Jesus said, come to me and drink, and I will give you a drink that will cause rivers of living water to pour forth from your heart. The living water is twofold. It speaks about the salvation that we receive. Isaiah 12:3 says, Therefore, for joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation. But second, the filling of the Holy Spirit for the believers. As Isaiah 44, 3 says, For I will pour water on him who is thirsty, floods on the dry ground. I will pour my spirit on your descendants and my blessings on your offspring. Jesus' glorification speaks about his death, burial, resurrection, his ascension into heaven. And with Jesus being glorified, the Holy Spirit has now been made available to the church, to everyone who believes in Jesus Christ. As seen in the Spirit's work in salvation, but also through the gifts that He gives us. And though we are many, we are one in the body of Christ, working together for the profit of all. That is the desire of the Lord Jesus Christ for His church. Concerning spiritual gifts, verses 1 through 3, Paul said the Holy Spirit enables true believers to rightly proclaim Jesus as Lord. Speaking of the diversity of gifts in verses 4 through 11, we learn that the Spirit gives giftings to every believer that they might be used for the profit of all. And though we are many members but one body, verses 12 and 13, the body of Christ is to work together again for the profit of all. It is my hope that you first and foremost have received the gift of salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. But also as believers, realize that the gifts of the Holy Spirit, as a believer, you've already have the Holy Spirit operating in your life. 
but perhaps there are giftings that he wants to do, special works that he desires for you to pour out into your heart, into your life. Jesus said, if anyone thirsts, let him come unto me. Thank you so much for being with us today. And I want to close this in prayer and a blessing, and we'll get on our way. Father, we thank you for your word today and for looking at this passage of Scripture. And for the next few weeks, Lord, we'll be looking at the giftings of the Holy Spirit. And I pray, Lord, for the next few weeks that as individuals, we would consider, Lord, the giftings that you have given us. And then when considering these giftings, ask of ourselves, are we using the giftings that the Lord has given us? And Lord, if that answer is no, I pray that you would help us to just desire to grow in our faith and to begin to take an opportunity to serve others. Lord, I do pray for your justice to come upon this land. And I pray, Lord, for the salvation of Jesus Christ to be poured out upon this nation. We need you, Lord. Desperately, we need you. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Calvary Chapel is a fellowship of believers in the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Our greatest desire is to know Christ and to be conformed into His image by the power of His Holy Spirit. If you would like more information about Calvary Chapel, or if you would like a copy of today's message, please contact us at 847-265-0646. That's 847-265-0646. Thank you so much for joining us today, and may the Lord richly bless you as you worship Him today. Let God.